Welcome to Cage Minds MMA Show. I'm Micah Frankel. I appreciate it if you'd go over and check out cageminds.com. And while you're surfing the web, also check out nmproshop.com for all your Cage Minds apparel. We got a lot to get to today. Week two of the Contender Series is in the books. Dana White again handing out five contracts. That's ten in two weeks. Add into that roster so you know we're going to get some cuts at the end of the season to the current roster. Don't be surprised when that happens. But CJ Varga with an incredible finish of Bruno Correa. It was a TKO in just 41 seconds. Right hand, front headlock, led to a vicious barrage of knees to the head and right hands. Then when they separated back into the clinch, a knee to the sternum puts down Correa in a great finish. The knees, that's how Chitty Enchikawani did his work against Mario Sosa. Sosa, his knees would astray and two low blows while Enchikawani would go to town and do devastation to the body with his knees eventually getting the fight to the ground and a TKO with ground and pound in the main event. Josh Quinlan was all about the right hands. It was five big right hands in 47 seconds that gets the first round TKO of Logan Yorbin. All three of those winners did receive contracts. On Friday, you had Bare Knuckle FC 21 in Omaha, Nebraska. The main event there, Mike Richmond defeats Dakota Cochran, gets the knockout 37 seconds into the second round. Co-main event, just how he's practicing it, in the back with the left hands, 19 seconds into the first round, Josh Burns takes out Sam Shaw. It was Houston Alexander with 34 seconds taken to get rid of Wes Combs and Jason High at a minute and 59 seconds to knock out Rocky Long. All 11 fights at that bare knuckle FC are finishes. No judges needed. That's my kind of event. Now the event, that's nobody's kind of event. The event that, let's be honest, California was right. This just shouldn't have happened. Well, it was what it wasn't, what it turned out to be, and then we'll return later what it actually is. You know what I'm talking about. Tiller had their boxing card. Vitor Bell for Evander Holyfield. If you hadn't seen last week, let me catch you up. This was supposed to be Oscar De La Hoya versus Vitor Belfort. Oscar De La Hoya, unfortunately, test positive for COVID. As far as I've been told, he was hospitalized. Hopefully he's out and doing better. Haven't heard an update. But Vitor Belfort still needs an opponent. Tiller, to avoid a lawsuit, brings in Evander Holyfield. Holyfield, at 58 years old, is not sanctioned by the California Athletic Commission. So this event moved from the L.A. Staples Center all the way to Hollywood, Florida, the Seminole Hard Rock Casino, on just a week's notice. California would not sanction the bout. Florida does. That's what we're told. That card also included Anderson Silva versus Tito Ortiz. That fight was making headlines because Ortiz was horribly disrespected by the fact that Silva was able to negotiate this bout to 195 pounds, a weight that really Ortiz had never competed at. Neither one had competed at, but Silva, who had competed at 185 and 205, much more likely he could make 
195 and the former light heavyweight champion at 205 pounds, Tito Ortiz. The circus that turned into is Tito did miss weight by 5 pounds, coming in at 200. That fight ends with Tito backing Silva to a corner, or maybe Silva allowed himself to be backed into that corner, and a vicious right hook that puts Ortiz out cold. Vitor Belfort, with a left uppercut, knocks down Evander Holyfield, and a vicious barrage of punches after that sees the ref jump in for the early first round TKO victory. Except, they were victories, and now it comes after the fact, exhibition bouts. Sold to the public, sold on pay-per-view as sanctioned full boxing matches, and now turns out that none of these bouts are going on the fighters' records, and that this was just all done in fun. How much more of a spectacle, how much more of a circus, and how much more of a snake oil salesmanship can this Killer Fight Club boxing endeavor become. It was fun when it was Roy Jones and Mike Tyson. It was disgusting when it was Jake Paul and Ben Askren, because let's be honest, we all saw how the commentary was acting and the facade around that event. It was just deplorable. We now get to the point where, again, they were going to exploit a Oscar De La Hoya who still apparently has some substance abuse issues that he's dealing with, as we saw from that event in Atlanta that Tiller put on. COVID stops him from getting in the ring, and you then exploit a 58-year-old former heavyweight champion of the world. This has not been good business from Tiller. It's been a sideshow spectacle in a circus that, quite frankly, I'm already tired of. Anderson Silva obviously can compete in this world and does deserve some respect as a pugilist, as a boxer. Rest of the card, though, there's a lot to be desired for, and I cannot believe that it reached the level of trending that it did on social media. Then again, it is social media. But as for afterwards, the circus continues, because Tiller puts out that they're willing to do a $30 million challenge between Jake Paul and Vitor Belfort. Obviously, Tiller really spurned still and spurned by the fact that Jake Paul, who had really catapulted their brand to another plateau, subsequently him and his brother both took their assets and left to go to Showtime. Paul responded in claim that he doesn't believe that they would actually have the $30 million to come up with. If Jake Paul was to fight Anderson Silva, it would be a bad fight for him. I believe that Silva is looking for either one of the Paul brothers, and it's the same for Vitor Belfort, as they are two MMA fighters in the twilights of their career, looking for big paydays, but as it was just shown, Anderson Silva has true skill in the ring, and Vitor Belfort still has some nasty pop, and early speed to his game. The guy is explosive in those opening moments, as he always has been. Tito Ortiz got put down and went to sleep. The Huntington Beach bad boy, a former UFC champion, a legend that I've enjoyed his combative sports expletives for many years. 
But from the Oscar De La Hoya pay-per-view to this boxing endeavor, and even into his political run, I think that the competitive time for Tito Ortiz has really passed by. It'd be best to see him move out of these realms and into something else. Because right now what he's been doing has not been working for him. It was a night out at the circus. And I, for one, did not go. But thanks to social media, I felt like I was there. Turn our attentions to the headlines and the fight announcements. Randy Brown versus Jared Gooden. A welterweight contest has been added to the UFC fight night on October 9th. Alex Caceres versus Siwoo Choi. A featherweight contest has been added to the UFC fight night on October 23rd. Andreas Machidas has been tasked with welcoming former two-division glory champion Alex Perea to the Octagon at UFC 268 on November 6th. Marcin Prachnio will be welcoming Dana White Contender Series contract winner Asmat Murkanarzanov, who was the first contract winner of a main event of this season, to the fight night on November 20th. We're going to see Dantel Mays versus Josh Parisian heavyweight action added to the UFC Fight Night on December 18th. In Bellator news, Benson Henderson versus Brent Premis has been added to Bellator 268 on October 16th, that one in Arizona. And Conor McGregor will walking the red carpet at the MTV Video Music Awards got into an incident and had to be pulled apart from with punches thrown with rapper MGK. Apparently, McGregor became salty and aggressive after the rapper kind of... I'm, I'm good, man. I'm not going to take a picture with you. When you don't appeal to a Conor McGregor request... That's the kind of reaction you're going to get. A violent outburst from a guy who once again seems to be losing it. It's, it's, it's slipping, man. He is slipping off his game. And every moment when he goes out on the town, he's dressed to the nines and looks like he's once again an A-list celebrity that engulfs the attention of fans the world around. He ends up getting in a fight with MGK and looking like an arse. Conor McGregor with another, another black eye on a night out in the town. I mean, he's fun for all of us to talk about in the media because that's what the fans want. But how many fans really want this Conor McGregor? And how many people are at this point still willing to say with all these outlandish situations that he's been part of, near criminal situations, how many of you are still fans of Conor McGregor? And at what point will it take for you to not be a member of that McGregor Legion? Because quite literally at this point, he's not done anything positive in quite a while. From the embarrassing to this week's action, the Contender Series is tonight and... Jelantin Almeida versus Nasarin Nasarinov. 
is the main event. Nasarenov, 9-0 from Russia. Well, the Brazilian comes in at 13-2, 100% finishing rate, 8 knockouts, 5 submissions. Almeida, an 8-fight win streak. The most recent, biggest name on that resume is Ildemar Alcantara. Nasarenov has wins over Jorge Gonzalez, who at one point was signed to the UFC, and PFL vet Corey Hendricks. At Bantamweight, you got Mo Miller versus Brandon Lewis. Two unbeaten beasts who came up through the LFA. This very well could have been an LFA title fight. Instead, the winner gets a contract. And in the middleweight division, you have Albert Naranov versus Cal Betancoff. Those two guys are both beasts. Heavyweights, that's where I wanted to go. From Poland, you have Lucas Brzezinski, who's 8-1-1, 5 wins by knockout against Dylan Potter, 10-5. All 10 wins are stoppages, 7 submissions, 3 knockouts. That's your Contender Series card. It's 6 fights in all this week, normally 5, but we're getting 6 this week, so it's going to be a big one. Then Saturday, you have a full day of action. It's a little bit early start time, 4 p.m. Eastern for the prelims, and then 7 p.m. for that main card for the UFC Fight Night from the Apex. Light heavyweights in the main event, number 6 ranked Anthony Smith versus number 11 Ryan Spann. Smith, he had struggled, he was losing, he's now fought his way back into the win column, two in a row. Coming off submitting Devin Clark with a triangle. Got put on his back, but then was able to pull off the submission. And against Jimmy Crude, he broke his jaw, got the victory there. Ryan Spann, 5-1 in his UFC career. Coming off of a TKO of Misha Serkinov. Big right hand down the pipe. Knocked down Serkinov when he got back up. It was a left hook to the temple. So you're seeing the striking come along for Span. A very big 205 pounder. Span 5 knockouts, 11 submissions. Smith, so much experience. 35 victories, 19 knockouts, 13 submissions. This is a big one. For Smith, a 3 fight win streak puts you right back in the title mix. For Span to pick up this victory over the number six ring, it puts you right there. It puts you in that echelon where you're one fight away from a title opportunity. In the co-main event, you have Devin Clark, who's won two of three, taking on Ian Kuntilaba. Clark, 12-5. Kuntilaba, 15-6-2. Both guys have a wrestling pedigree. Clark... Eight wins by submission. He uses that wrestling pedigree. He makes guys wilt under his pressure and under his continuous takedowns and ground and pound. Well, Kunti Laba, 13 finishes, 12 in the first round. He has wrestling, but he likes to get out there, get after it, bang it out quick. Clark told me he promises to not take a step backwards. That's a big statement made. Mandy Baum makes her UFC debut. The unbeaten German 
We lost her in the Bellator Arena. Is going to be taking on Brazilian Ariane Lipsky. Lipsky, 2-4 and four in her last six. Things have not went as planned for the Brazilian since she came over from KSW as the champion there. But she does have a full skill set. So even though 2-4 and four in her last six, this is a challenge for Balm. Also on that main card, out lightweight, Armin Tessurian who is 16-2 and two and comes in with that number 15 next to his name. Has won three in a row since losing his debut to Islam Makachev. He has a full skill set, but for first to strike, he's going to be taking on Christos Yagos. Yagos, 19-8. He's won four of his last five, and believe me, he likes to use his Muay Thai striking. So that one has an opportunity to be the fight of the night. On the prelims... The ones that I feel are the best, I got four to highlight. You got number 12, Penny Kinzad, taking on unranked performer title challenger, Raquel Pennington. Kinzad, a four-fight win streak, all decisions. We've seen her boxing really be crisp throughout it. Pennington's won two of three. Those two wins, Irene Aldana and Marianne Renault, so they have been high-caliber victories. At 135 pounds, Tony Gravely takes on Nate Manis. Gravely's won 9 of 10. His last win, a TKO of Anthony Burchak. He's won two in a row, actually. Manis, a three-fight win streak, 2-0 in the octagon. And he's coming off of a rear-naked choke win over Luke Sanders. Sanders, at one point, was right there in the top 15. So that one really opened up my eyes to Manus. That one on the prelims could steal the show. In women's action, at flyweight, you have Sarah Alpar. Her second fight off of the Contender Series in the octagon, taking on... Erin Blanchfield, it's going to be her Octagon debut. That one I'm really intrigued to see how it plays out. Not to mention at 170 pounds, Carlton Harris versus Ipa Kasanya. Harris, a four-fight win streak coming off of a rear-naked choke of Christian Aguilar. Will you have Kasanya? We've seen he is a full fighter. Great grappling, great striking. Did suffer that knockout loss to Joaquin Buckley. But he does have the submission of Sasha Platnikov and a decision win of Maki Patolo. So I'm expecting a lot from this UFC Fight Night card. It's flying under the radar, but I can find a lot of good reasons to check out that one. And then Bellator is on Showtime. Prelims are on YouTube. Also Saturday. So that's going to be a 6 p.m. roughly start time for the prelims, and then 8 p.m. Eastern Time for the main card, the main event, Mr. Wonderful Phil Davis versus Yoel Romero. This is going to be the Octagon debut for the Cuban, and his first fight at 205 pounds since 2011 with Strikeforce. Phil Davis, Mr. Wonderful, he's won three of his last four, including... Victories over Liam McGeary and Carl Albertson. The ground and pound has been very important for Davis as of late when he's been effective outside of that decision win over Leota Machida. Well, Romero, he's lost four of his last five, but does have 11 of his 13 wins by knockout. That explosive power is devastating that Romero possesses. 
In the welterweight division we go for the co-main event as Neam Gracie looks to get back in the win column, taking on Mark Leminger. Leminger coming in off a TKO victory. Well, Gracie, the proficient jiu-jitsu expert. I really feel like this is an opportunity against an unranked fighter for Gracie to get his stuff together and get back in the win column. He's dropped his last two. At 125 pounds, we got women's action that I think it stays on the feet, and they look to bang it out as Deanna Bennett and her boxing will take on Alejandra Laura, who possesses some really eccentric kicks. Light heavyweight action, Christian Edwards faces Ben Paris. It's the third time that this fight is being booked. You had Edwards with a, a blip on a medical test, canceled the first one, Parish test positive for COVID, canceling the second one. Hopefully, third time is the charm. You've seen dynamic early finishes with head kick knockouts from Christian Edwards. You've seen him now go the distance and also win by rear naked choke. Well, Ben Parrish has all four of his wins by submission. That main card's also going to see, jumping in on short notice, Georgie Katahanian to take on Sal Rogers. Both guys, seasoned vets with well-rounded games. On the prelims, got to highlight the featured prelim, and that's Grant Neal. Three of his six wins for the unbeaten fighter by rear naked choke. Well, Alex Fazili comes in at 8-1, four submissions, three knockouts. Two of his last three wins have been spectacular, a knee bar and a straight arm bar. So you can see the winner of that fight very easily jumping up to the main card and taking on the winner of Parrish and Edwards. And I failed to mention it, but check out the website and the YouTube channel as I'll have an interview up here soon with Christian Edwards ahead of the fight. was able to catch up with him at the Jackson Wink Academy. And then also for us locally here in New Mexico, give you guys an update on the local action. It's a busy month of October. October 2nd, there is Grapple Fest. Combat Sports Club is putting on a pay-per-view showcase with a ton of high-level grappling matches. Legacy Boxing Promotions is getting back to boxing on October 16th at the Kiva Auditorium. And then the Convention Center in Las Cruces will be hosting a boxing event on October 30th. Go to CageMinds.com for more details on all events. And don't forget to get your Cage Minds apparel over at NMProShop.com. And make sure to keep up with us across social media. On Facebook, it's Cage Minds Combat Sports News. On Instagram, it's at CageMinds underscore CSN. And on Twitter, it's the original at CageMindsMMA. If you want my Twitter, it's at FrankelMika. That's F-R-A-N-K-L-M-I-K-A. And then also, don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube. That's CageMindsMMA Show. Thanks for watching.